Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. I have the pleasure of being here again with Brooke. And today we are talking to Matt Trescott. Matt is the lead for the AWS Games Solution Architecture team. And everything that AWS is doing to help games companies just like build incredible experiences for, for players. So I am so excited to, to have you here, kind of talk about the industry in, in general, you know, what you're playing, uh, what your career has been like, and what does the future of all this look like with generative AI and everything else we've been seeing in uh, when it comes to, to games. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Matt. Awesome. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, David. Thank you, Brooke. Uh, this is exciting. I know we've uh, we've we've uh, been looking forward to this. I know we've caught up a few times, and uh, just just really excited that we're doing it. We're doing it now, and uh, that's that's awesome. So yeah, and we always kick off our calls uh, internally with with what are we playing. So uh, it's just one of the fun things that we do uh, right now. A lot of Starfield on our team. Oh, but, wow. uh, but yeah, but I'd love to hear Brooke and David. What are, what are you guys playing these days? Um, I'm going to say something controversial, but brave. And that is that I play a game on my iPhone called Ball Sort, um, <laughs> which is where okay. you sort little colored balls into things. Um, and that's, I'm bringing so much shame <laughs> by no, adding my, I, but it's good. There is no it's shame in what you play. Like we have people that play, like we have someone on our team who the Kim Kardashian mobile game is their favorite game. Oh yeah. It's and a masterpiece. I, I will not accept any slander. <laughs> So it's across the board, right? I think as long as you're yeah. playing something, then you know it doesn't. It it to me, right? Like, is if you can find joy in it, like that's the point, right? Someone made this art, and you hopefully found a, a place where it it means something to you. So that's yeah, awesome. yeah, it's yeah. totally that's what it is. You know, uh, as someone who's had to explain that to my parents as a little kid, putting all these hours into games is it? It's an expression of the human experience. You know, I uh, so my biggest thing right now is Boulder Skate Three, which I have I've had Good early thanks. access. Yeah, it's just Larian Studios, just the passion. It's incredible that comes across. I mean, they did not ask Wizards of the Coast, or Wizards of the Coast did not go to them. They went to them and like let us do this game. You know, and as someone who who grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons, and had played the original Boulder Skate back when boxed PC games you know, were a huge thing. And that was like Bioware back then, you know, the two doctors uh, running uh, Bioware and just the experience and how they've connected it together is incredible. I've bought a NVIDIA 4070 Ti card. So I gave myself a little up there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so all the gamers list, it's funny. Did you get it at retail? How much or, you know, how much above retail did you have to pay? <laughs> Oh, a, a lady never tells. Yeah, it, yeah. It's like I, I, it was, it was too much. It's basically what I was. But I look at it as the amount of hours and joy. Like you, you can't see that. You can see this part of the podcast studio, but over there, I have every card. Okay, that, that you've I've ever, ever had. gamed on. Yeah, and this is going to sound like a humble brag. I don't even know if I should say it, but I think the audience will think it's cool somehow. Uh, I, I somehow through this group, it's back when I, in my, in my previous role at Amazon, the, the kind of people that I met, there was like a circle and, and Jensen's part of that, who's the CEO of NVIDIA. And I just had the opportunity to tell him how much that changed my life with those 
GeForce cards in the beginning. And I was yeah, talking about, do you remember this? I was telling him about the Chameleon. Like my brother and I, when we saw the Chameleon demo, when that was the first time pixel shaders came out and in real time, do you remember that Chameleon that walked across like the tree and they had Zoltan with uh, like from, from Big and you could talk to it and it was a real 3D, it was a demo live off your video card. It was not, because this is back in DOS games were pre-rendered, you know? So it's like, it was just incredible how much that's changed. And I still lives in, in me today. So the, the NVIDIA cards, uh, you know, when it comes to gaming, uh, so DL, <laughs> 20, you should say Starfield, they didn't enable DLSS. So I had to actually go and get a mod for it. Uh, the mod community is incredible. And now that that's running and everything. So, right. uh, I just, are you run playing? Are you playing Starfield on Xbox or PC? Uh, so I do have it on Xbox. I have not dove into it yet. I just haven't had the time really. Yeah. Uh, and so, as I mentioned when we were kind of chatting beforehand, my wife uh, got me the the PS VR two for my birthday, which is great. And Beautiful. I'm a huge I, a huge racing fan. Uh, and so oh, nice. I have to say, Gran Turismo Seven in VR is is a masterpiece. Like it is, it is really amazing. Like you're in the car. Oh, uh, she tried to play it and got like instantly car sick and basically like ripped off the VR from her head and and that was it. So I am playing happens, a fair yeah. amount of that. It happens. And then it's a strong review. Yeah. And then the other one, it's really funny. Uh, you know, Epic is games is, is one of AWS's biggest customers. And um, yeah. we have a huge partnership with them. And starting this year, we actually ran a couple of internal Fortnite tournaments. And I had never really played Fortnite all that much before this time. Yeah. And but I love it. Like it's, you know, it's my go-to like 25 minutes wow. of I just want to, you know, kick some kick some butt. Uh see if I can't get that victory crown on my head. It's uh it's really pretty funny. We um we actually and I I'll happily share the I don't know if I shared the broadcast link with you, but we did record it. You can see at least one of them. Oh we yeah, send me that link. I'll add it for yeah, that. Uh, well, I don't know. I think it's internal only, but so we, we might be, oh, okay. we might not have that, but, uh, but it's great. We actually had one of the senior directors from Epic on one of them who walked us through like some of the things that they had done with local zones and where they put their infrastructure to better serve players. But, uh, as part of it, one of the entertaining things that we had was we had a number of parents who had help from their kids. And so we had the Slack Aww. channel open for people who were, uh, and we had, we got all these stories about parents who had basically one one of them was the kid had basically their their son had taken the controller out of their parents hand and was basically like i don't think this is a good idea dad like, <laughs> you, like, you legit shouldn't play in this match and then we had somebody else who was like it's okay mom like someone's gotta die first uh wow. so we, we have this list of these amazing stories of like kids who are trying that. to like yeah. ramp their parents up on this game and it was a ton of fun. We did a couple matches. We recorded it. Uh, Chris Melisinos, who does a lot of our uh, technical evangelism, he has a really great uh, games industry uh, legends podcast, a video series that he does that's on YouTube that's really cool. Um, and he and then Gina Gizzy, who's the solutions architect for Epic, they like live streamed it, and it was a uh, it was a ton of fun. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Cool. So AWS has like game days, right? Which is where you can practice AWS skills in a gamified experience and oh. it was one for legends esports i can't remember if it was 2022 or 2023 time is a blur but there was a father-son team that competed in the game day and i was just so, so excited to see it they were working together because it was like 
taking in data from the game to then predict actions in the game or something. So I think between them, they knew enough about data science and enough about the game and they did really well, I think, but yeah. That was an amazing story, actually. It was really, really cool. That was, um, we do have a partnership with with Riot where we're the esports sponsor for League of Legends. And so the team had built this amazing game day where it was all about using AI to predict who the winners would be. And at last year's Worlds, uh, they had you as part of that game day that we ran, you could win tickets, VIP tickets to world. And all these yeah. people showed up and somebody wrote this amazing LinkedIn post, I believe about that father-son team. And unfortunately, I don't think oh. they won, but I do think that Riot hooked them up um, with a bunch of things and like that made it worth their while, but it was an amazing story. And we're still running those today. So uh, we run them it. all around the world when we're doing uh, either events with Riot or uh, occasionally at a few of our summits and we're gearing up right now because we're Worlds is in Korea this year, so yeah. we're, we're gearing up for Worlds, which is always a huge event. They're amazing. We just had them on the podcast. I'm always, oh, yeah. I, I, I've awesome. been doing this long enough that you never pre-announce things, you know, because stuff changes, but it was a great interview. Uh, and, and Jackie, DevOps Jackie, it was actually the co-host on that. And they kind of went into how they created basically a, a, through hardware, a custom routing network that Riot did so that players could have low uh, ping times. You know, and it's just, it's a, it's, it's really cool. You know, it, it, there's a, this is a, uh, I don't know if anybody knows who Chris Metzen is, right? So Chris Metzen was one of the original founders of Blizzard and Blizzard just actually came out and said that he's coming back. Uh, cool. And it's just really great. He did like a leave of absence uh, and he created all these characters. I mean, anybody you can't see this. I mean, I, I wish people could see it. Maybe we'll do some, some video at some point, but it's like, you've got pugs in the background. I've got all this World of Warcraft stuff. You know, and, and um, Chris created Brooks all those characters. Our, in a sterile uh, office in Seattle. That's nice. I'm in a place Brooks. of synergy and collaboration. That's right. right. Yes, you are. They are. I mean, this just speaks to the character of Brooke. <laughs> they are literally traveling in Seattle and like grabbed a room just to come and spend time with us. Yeah, so thank you. You know, I mean, and, it's a Tim Gunn make it work moment, which Project <laughs> Runway viewers will know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I, what I was going to say is there's a podcast. I'm, I got to write this down. So I'll add it. It's, it's called like growing up geek. They did it with one. Oh gosh, I'm not doing it justice, but it's one of the original world of Warcraft podcasts through the frog pants network. I love these, these, they, they were just, they're great pod, podcasters. And he talked about something until he talked about it. It really didn't put in perspective for me as a dad too, uh, with my kids who are gamers, uh, is, is that, what I grew up with that was fringe. So Dungeons and Dragons, playing video games, uh, comics, you know, like Marvel DC became mainstream now. And I, it's funny because back then I was like, I don't know why people aren't more into this. There was just this, yeah. I felt like just this amazing creativity in that space. And it just gave me so many, uh, so much joy for so many hours. But I was, you know, I was the nerd. People are like, oh, you're going to go go play your, your computer. Why don't you go back, nerd, and play your computer games? You know, And it's like, that's what my kids do. And it's given me a bond because you talked about the father and son. With my girls, like, we've been talking about Boulder's Gate 3. You know, it's yeah. like my oldest is a, a, she's a sophomore in college. And then I see her, you know, as, as much as I can. I'll see her and we'll talk. I'll be like, hey, this thing happened or this thing happened and the narrative in this game. And, you know, and my, and my other youngest, too, uh, she's big into Genshin Impact. So talking about how they're creating worlds and the narrative and, and all of that, I feel like uh, you're absolutely right. 
that. It, it is an art form. And yeah. I want to talk to you about that. Like, how did you get your start in the space and kind of move to having that as your job at AWF? I got very lucky. Uh, so I have been at Amazon a long time. I just looked it up. Uh, so you can look it up if you're an Amazon employee. So uh, 12 years and four months. So uh, wow. a little crazy. Uh, so that's... Um, you know, that, that's been a while. I have some, I initially started actually back in the day, I started on the support team uh, at AWS and the support team was so small at AWS. And this was in 2010 that on the weekend, and this is, I'm not joking, we staffed AWS support with one person. And I know because I worked Sunday through Thursday and Sunday was my day. And if you called AWS support in that time, I was the only person there, like the only person answering the phone. And a couple of times, you know, I definitely had a few conversations where people wanted to talk to somebody else. And uh, it was, that was like, I'm sorry, you know, Todd, like I'm the only person here and they legit wouldn't believe me. And if you ever dial, (laughs) uh, call AWS support, uh, the way it works is like, you put in your number and we call you back. So, uh, and they would call back. And I remember having some hysterical conversations with customers where I'm like, I told you, like, I'm, you can call back a whole <laughs> bunch. <I love laughs> but, and, uh, and, and, and I was in the support org for a couple of years and uh, eventually ran into these crazy people who were down the hall because it was much smaller and, they uh, they were doing this thing called solutions architecture. And I was like, what was that? And it sounded like, you know, you could talk to customers and work with them to build a lot of the best practices on the cloud, right? So the cloud was very new at this time. Uh, we were still very much considered to be a bookseller at that time, right? Hosting. And and even though it was much more than that, uh, far deeper than those things. Uh, and, and I was like, well, that seems like the place to be, right? No more of like having to deal with it after the fact, like you implemented it and maybe, you know, it went poorly. You didn't make all the considerations I want to be upfront. And, and, and I just got lucky and I did that for a couple of years. Uh, I did actually leave AWS for a little while. I worked at this ed tech startup in the Bay Area, which doesn't exist anymore. Go, uh, right, much like a lot of them. Um, but I did learn a lot, right? I actually got to run everything on AWS. It was fun. Uh, came back and uh, eventually, you know, started leading a few architecture teams. Uh, and uh, yeah, at, in 20, it was like 2019, I was leading a team of specialists kind of focusing on serverless, which I do think is great. A uh, little yeah. IoT a little DevOps sprinkled in there. We called it the a cloud native team. Yeah, yeah. it's like, it was the cloud native team, but I it was like the misfits that they really couldn't sort of fit into a bunch of other teams like containers or, or other kind of areas where it was super focused. And yeah, and then uh, I was very lucky. So one of our VPs that's here, uh, her name is Francesca Vasquez. She's been amazing. She she now moves and, and she's moved over to run our ProServe organization, but um, she's just been a, a friend and an advocate advocate for a long time. And she, she actually helped me to do, and I think this is out there here at Amazon, we, we do something called bar raising. It's part of our interview process. We have a bar raiser that's, that's on there. It's, it's pretty well documented. And she, she asked if I would bar raise for this new job that she had and I did it. She didn't really tell me much about it. And I got done and I was like, are you, are you hiring a leader to run the games team? And, uh, she was like, yeah. And I was like, i you know, effing love video games. Like that's my jam. I've been a gamer since I was a kid. And I think I actually just said, can I have that job? (laughs) 
<laughs> and, um, you know, I think it went deeper than that. I did uh, have to go and talk to a number of people, but she said, absolutely. Right. I was kind of, you know, I think, I think that was her play all along. I can't prove it, but, um, yeah. And so in 2020, uh, AWS uh, decided to make a, a, a segment that specifically focused on working with video game customers. And so the team right now, we focus on a little over like 2,000 customers in North America from, you know, the big ones like that you probably, we talked about earlier, Epic, Riot Games, Ubisoft, all the way down to smaller customers like, you know, Butterscotch Shenanigans and, and folks like Second Dinner who have done Marvel Snap, right? Uh, and so we have this wide, this wide swath of different size customers. Uh, oddly enough, we also do uh, betting and game and gaming, mm -hmm. which is a new one, which is uh, the sports betting customers. So customers like FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, which is definitely a little bit different. We could uh, talk about that as well, but that's sort of a unique workload. But it's been amazing, and you know, the team. I think when I started was about seven people and we're a little uh, we're approaching like 38 or so so uh and it's been uh it's been quite the experience i think you know having that focus and on video games has been really amazing so yeah, yeah. that's how i got here sort of weird way i mean there's no correct journey <laughs> no <laughs> my partner um is a magic the gathering player retired now i guess but i dragged them from New York City to Boise, Idaho for DevOps Days Boise because DevOps Days has things called open spaces that are these like unled conversations that happen outside the actual programming and they want to do one about Magic the Gathering. <laughs> um, and in that open space, I was like asking, because I always try to explain, he's not a technical person at all, but I try to explain to him how much the gamer mentality helps you in doing things like solution architecture have you found that sort of your gamer mentality and everything that you've learned from years of studying video games, have you found that's helped you with your job, both Dave and Matt, because you both have several hundred hours of gaming experience <laughs> per month? <laughs> yeah. So one, it definitely has helped us as a team. I don't want to, you know, pull too much away or, or talk or, or I know, you know, Dave, you, you talked to a number of the folks from the Riot team, but I, I think that one of the reasons that that game day was so successful was because the individuals that work with Riot Games are huge fans of Leagues of Legend, right? And so had somebody who maybe knew a lot about the cloud or knew just a lot about how to get things done in infrastructure, sure, they could have come up with something, but I don't think it would have added that immersive element on like what we're really trying to get to. And, and we definitely see that a lot. I think having understanding... You know, gamers are unusual, um, and uh, it's a it's an unusual and and players are fickle, right? Uh, one of the interesting, uh, you know, things that that we talk about is is really like a lot of the games customers build for gamers, and if you have that gamer mentality, it's a little bit different. I remember a long time ago I was talking, and I don't even remember the game customer, and um, you know, we have this architecture about hey, like you know, you you build for multi AZ and you build for failure, and in, and I, I remember going to have an architectural conversation, and this was probably like 2016, so a, a while ago. And and they had, of course, built this game in one availability zone, right? And, you know, that's a big no-no for mm. us and, you know, something that we don't recommend for obvious reasons. And they had told me something which I, you know, they're like, you have to understand the gamer, right? They don't, they don't care. Like, the, if the game's down, 
they'll come back, right? And what they want is this fast gaming experience. So if we build this for multi-AZ, and they could, you know, and not to say that it, it was a right way, this was just their perspective, right? If we build it for multi-AZ and the game is slow, they'll stop playing it and won't come <laughs> back. But if it's simply unavailable, then that's a fine place for a gamer because they'll come back and check it out later, right? But yep. so you have to sort of understand that mind of a gamer when we're talking about it because it's it does... It, you know, they're really building it for this unique audience and they have these odd things that they'll do, right? Like if your game's slow, well, I don't want to come back and play it. Oh, it's just unavailable. Eh, I'll try again later. Yeah. You got to know yeah. your customer. <laughs> know your customer. It's yeah. yeah. I love, I love that. I, I, I thought a lot about this, right? Because gaming, it's turned into such a, an all encompassing. There's so many different human beings that are that participate mm -hmm. right and so it's it's very hard to make generalizations but what i would say in someone who now you know has worked on hardware and software and apis for games for for, for decades is that what's what separates it from doing enterprise software or you know any kind of like general consumer based you know e-commerce or anything like that is that anytime you there's a, there's a state you get into as a human being called flow and you and yeah. you can look this up right and it's it can happen anytime you could be you could be painting you could be spending time with your cats you could be yeah. you know knit, you could be doing anything and that flow state it's it's such a it's such a joy because it takes you to this place as a human being where you realize maybe what i have this day to day isn't the only way to perceive the world Right. And gamers have that, whether they realize it or not, they have that perspective on seeing another dimension to life. And so I have met people through all sorts of different games over the years who I have never seen in this real life who are friends to me. Yeah. And you'll hear that time and time again. And I just feel it speaks to the beauty of being a human being is you can kind of take yourself out of the 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 uh, you know the physical reality in which we're all having to deal with day to day and and everything that goes along with that and kind of bring yourself into this other place where it's just you it's the essence of you and the essence of other people and human beings and that is one of the biggest things the the inclusiveness of and and there always be bad apples you know <laughs> um, but they're just the, in in general the inclusiveness of uh, you know, I'm going to be going to New York City Comic Con soon, you know, and just like just the, yeah. the vibe that you get. You're like, it's, it's good for people who don't know this. So I have a I have a Jeep Wrangler and there's a thing called the Jeep Wave where you you do this. You know, people won't see this, oh, but you sure. do. Yeah, yeah. When you have, and it's like when you get a smile or you get a Jeep Wave back, you're like, oh, wow, that's right. Human beings can be cool, you know, and it's like that's yeah. what gaming always reminds me of. And that's what I've told people over the years is like. You see it even in people who build games. We talk a lot about customer obsession at Amazon. The, the ability, like when you're writing software as a game developer, you're still a, a player first. And it's kind of your North Star, you know? Like you'll, you'll put yourself through anything because you're like, I know if I was playing this, how it would make me feel. And I've always admired that about people in, the, in this area. And I think you're, you know, you're kind of hitting on that of how that's a little bit different than you're like, 
oh, the flow state I get when I do this Excel spreadsheet, let me tell you. And I'm not putting accountants down. Maybe they yeah, feel- Yeah, yeah, totally. Right, <laughs> or you're like, hey, this Jira, my Jira platform may not give me, right? If it's, I think it's a little bit different if you're writing, you know, you're writing banking software, right? Or or financial yeah. software because there's this there's this element of fun, right? And, and to your yeah. point, right? Like there's this joy that you're hoping that the end user is going to get out of experiencing the thing that you created. And so- you have to take that into consideration uh, when you're when you're when you're architecting these things. Now, there are obviously things that we want to hold true across the board, but it is a it is a different it's it's a different persona than you know. Hey, like this transaction has to go through because I cashed a check, right? Or you know, um, you know, I I, I clicked yet yeah, go on this build pipeline and I want it to happen, or I'm watching a YouTube video. I think that that's those are very different things, and so you know it is very helpful when we're talking to customers if 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 the people on the team have that you know can understand the view of the player. And that's not to say we actually have a number of architects on the team who actually aren't like the biggest game players, and and they're equally as successful. Uh, but there are those unique times when having that level of depth in the game and even the game ecosystem is just uh, you can do some really cool things. Yeah. There's lots of tech that's like pioneered in games, especially with graphics. We talked about that a little bit earlier, and now that's yeah. in a lot of sort of mainstream products. Is there something that's come up with your customers that seemed really futuristic at the time that you were helping them to build on AWS that's now sort of normal? That's a great question. And I think, you know, one of the, I think where they typically push the boundaries and kind of where that artistic comes in is often on the like the visual representation and the mechanics. And we don't always get that as much on the, the back end side of things. Uh, I'll probably game server architecture isn't the most modern architecture, right? Uh, and a lot of it is just really due to how that has to work, right? Uh, you know, if you've played any sort of online-based video game, if you ever jumped in a Battle Royale for, you know, Fortnite or Unreal Tournament or Call of Duty or any of those things, um, you're you're really right. You you and everybody else are mushed onto a single box, right? And uh, and so that that's they're they're so far. You know, and and I think you know you could. This is sort of where like some of like you know uh, last year. I'm I'm happy that the metaverse you know kind of conversation is dampered down. Not not that I don't believe in it, and and not that I don't think that it would be something amazing. But you know, to me, I'm always one of the one of the biggest constraints is that how do you jump that server barrier, right? How do you take and make this open world game that allows you to take all this infrastructure and make it seamless. And I think like that is something that's pretty difficult right now. You really do have to, if you want that, that experience that everybody needs that low latency, high throughput, everybody, you feel like you have a chance, you basically have to be on the same server as the rest of the individuals that are playing that game. And I think, so for that reason, you know, a lot of the backend architecture generally isn't as, you know, isn't as, cutting edge as some of the other things you know not that we don't see it uh you know we we have definitely been talking to customers a lot of you know gen ai is like the hot topic of like the past six months you know where does that maybe fit into gaming you know how can you use those things to help you build the games faster but um yeah i think a lot of the things that we've really i would say done more so on is like how do we try to get 
the game developer and cloud experience to be a little bit more connected so that, you know, COVID, <laughs> COVID shook up a lot of things. And I think, you know, work from home and, you know, having yeah. people across the world, you know, made things a little bit more challenging and, uh, you know, just building that game or building that asset on your giant workstation was how it was done a, a lot of times and has been done for a lot of a, a lot of years and you know helping customers move you know their version control and move their build pipelines more so on like how do you enable them to build games faster by using the cloud i would say like that's probably <laughs> been a lot of the focus of where we're trying to make steps and like let's yeah. leave the artistic part up to the game developers themselves as much as i would like to influence that but that's not really in our in our wheelhouse necessarily yeah i it's like you hear these stories right of uh i won't name any names but there's always like the build server and it's like touch this upon fear of death right right yeah. it's like it's this, under this bob's is... desk yeah <laughs> don't touch it yeah 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 exactly and when i joined aws it was in september of 2020 so it was full covid and we were going in to reinvent and I was actually in the developer tools org and it was super interesting. A lot of really big names uh, that you know, and I can't obviously say, but having meetings and, uh, you know, across the board, it was, oh my goodness, everyone's home. How do we actually create, so, you know, create these video games now? And what is it like to have a pipeline? Right. And, and I felt like that did mature a lot of these companies because you know, as someone, I've actually been fortunate enough, you know, I've worked between Microsoft and Amazon now, it's been 17 years I've been remote. Yeah. And, you know, if for, for somebody, I, I and it's different for everybody. I mean, for people who love going into the office, you know, it's like more power to you. Uh, for me, as being a creative type, as being an independent type, as somebody who's often in their head and then has the ability to actually take what's in my head and and produce it. Uh, I felt like that opened up a lot for game companies right. because you, you know, when you're, when you're building things and maybe you can talk a little bit to this uh, is, and maybe Gen I is, is part of this is, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you think about and enable experiences as a game creator, uh, you know, without getting influenced in ways Gosh, I mean, we could talk about some of these trends, right? Like what Larian has done with Boulder's Gate 3, where they've released this amazing game and there's no DLC. Yeah. Right? And it, it's just this immersive experience that you can continue to go and it's it's come from passion, has created discussion. I know people across many, many game companies from you know indie to AAA who are all just having this conversation and taking a step back. And I think it's a great time to take a step back now as we're going into 2024 of, of like, how do we be able to continue to have a living writing video games? How do we monetize? But how do we make sure we're putting player first? And what does that look like? And I uh, maybe I'll include this link, but there was someone who took a Skyrim mod. Have you have you seen this, Matt? I don't um, know. I, I, I Maybe. So they took chat, chat GPT and they connected it in real time to NPCs in Skyrim. Oh, wow. And then okay. on top of it, you were talking about PlayStation VR too, right? On top of it, they did VR. And oh my goodness, it is hilarious. So for any, I, most people have played Skyrim at this point. So when you go to, uh, if you go to Skyrim and you go to the, uh, to the, you know, you go to the um, Mages Guild, right? And, you, and you're learning those first spells, right? If you, if you can think there's like a room where the mages having different people cast different spells, right? 
So he's talking to the NPC and he's like, if I do this right, can we go to McDonald's? And the guy's like, <laughs> we don't have McDonald's in Skyrim, but, and, and, but there's actual response. Right. And then he's like, what do you think of Gandalf? And he's like, I think Gandalf is one of the greatest wizards. Thank you for thinking me of like, but it just added a depth of these non-player for people who don't know NPC non-player characters, just these interactions, which you continue to see. I just saw another study about Gen Z with these character AIs of the amount of time that's spent in these apps having conversations. And I've done it where I've built some of these local LLMs and just having conversations is incredible. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, and I think that is, can you break that out? Maybe it's not just in NPC development. Maybe it's in the way that we write software too. Yeah, it's you know we've we've been having a lot of conversations. This is this is an interesting one. Uh, I had a conversation with a new indie studio, probably uh, I would say the first one was maybe six or seven months ago, and uh, I was talking to the CTO, and they had done something similar, like taken uh, an NPC uh, in Unreal, hooked it up to chat GPT uh, and had, you know, kind of been able to not only sort of change the NPC look and feel, but then also, you know, allowed for using some translation service. So how do you do text to voice, voice to text, all those different things. And, um, and I think it was a very cool experiment. And I actually went back and uh, had a second conversation later, probably, and this was probably about three weeks ago. It's somebody that I like to connect with pretty often. And I was just curious, like, where are you at? Like, how are you feeling about it now? Like, has, has anything changed? Is this something that you're you know, you're, you're really pushing the envelope on, or is it something that you're, 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 you're taking a more of a cautious approach on. And I think that the overall, and this is obviously just one individual's viewpoint, right? So like, um, but, and, and we, but we've heard this a little bit anecdotally from other customers as well, is that there really is a concern by the video game creators that do love video games and understand that, the artists that you need to create video games are beyond important, right? Having that vision, you know, knowing the environment, understanding, you know, not only just creating like, yeah, like, oh, I just created a wizard, but understanding why that wizard was created, that wizard's backstory, all those other things. Um, and really what their what their their concern is, and they're not going to stop experimenting, but the sort of ethical questions around AI have still not really been determined. And I think like those are especially when it comes to like the game in-game creation, right? And 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 I think everyone's being very cautious because they know that this artistic piece, as we've talked about, is just so important to making the games yeah. engaged by customers. And you may be able to get some of that from AI, but you may not in the end be able to capture it all totally. And then the other side of it is, of course, the legal aspect, right? And I think the, the legal aspect is one that everyone's sort of very much waiting to see how things turn out. Because what can you you know if you're if you're if you're pokemon right and one of your artists creates the the newest pikachu um you know like uh maybe it's a pugachu right or whatever it is that they create uh and jenny i creates it there is concerns of like can you can you trademark and can you copyright that material and uh and 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 a few of the court cases they're smaller have come out and and it's it's really gone to no you can't but there's a lot more that has to be done there right uh 
Uh, and then that doesn't even go into the flip side of it is what happens if you start using Gen AI in your game and it creates something that is already trademarked, right? It creates a Mario, it creates a Pikachu. Right. And, you know, those are, those are the things that, because no one really understands where those models, how did they get the data to train them? And so a lot of those things are very much up in the air. Uh, and so I think a lot of people are dipping their toe in the water, but no one's really, you know, and I think everyone's very interested in the space. Uh, where we have seen customers want to make more of a progression into the space is really with, you know, more of like the the support side. You know, we've had customers come to us and say, hey, you know, it'd be great. Like, uh, imagine if you were stuck, like you're playing a mobile game, uh, you know, you're you're stuck. Like what happens if, you know, and again, I don't know how many chatbots we need in our lives, but a chatbot pops up, right? And it's like, hey, I noticed you're stuck. Can I like give you a hand? You know, is there a way for me to make the game experience itself a little bit better? You know, yeah. could I do things more, you know, with the lore of the environment? Is there a way for right. us to capture that data and make it so you can ask questions about the game, about those backstories? You know, that seems to be a, a spot where people are like, hey, this this makes a lot more sense. Uh, and then, of course, the toxicity side of it, right? We, we all know <laughs> gamers can be... You know, depending on the game and where you're at, uh, you know, there there are people that make games not so much fun. And so, you know, and, and that is also something that goes to player experience, right? And so how can you either, um, you know, curb toxicity, find it easier to find toxic players in your game? Uh, yeah. Those are definitely things that we see Gen AI uh, yeah. stepping into those realms and really helping out with. Uh, I think, as I mentioned before, I think the creative aspect is still very much TBD. Yeah. I just want to go back to sort of one thing you were talking about. So you mentioned the regulatory compliance auditability side for Gen AI, but earlier in our conversation, you were talking about working across sports betting and gaming. Does that come with any other sort of curly questions or different types of use cases in how to run those workloads that's different from the video gaming clients you have? Oh yeah, uh, that is so. We we actually believe it or not, we just launched and and I can put it in here. We 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 just launched a uh, and maybe we'll all look it up and send it over to you, David. But yeah. we did just launch a, a betting and gaming site specifically for this purpose. Oh, nice. uh, so in I believe in what was it 2018? Uh, if I'm staying corrected, if I didn't get the dates right, but the you know the Supreme Court sort of struck down the gambling right, and so. Uh, and, and allowed states to make their own decisions on gambling. And so that's the really interesting. So the sports betting side of the house and the, the betting and gaming is very much driven by each individual state, uh, which is unique. And so some states uh, require you to have the infrastructure in that state when you capture that bet. Uh, and so that poses some unique problems. So uh, as as much as AWS is in a, very, a lot of locations, like, you know, we have regions, we have local zones, um, you know, we're not in every single state, you know, we may not have infrastructure in South Dakota, right, where gaming is opening up. And these companies to, to really get that market share have to get into those states very quickly. Uh, and so we have a variety of different things that we're doing to help 
to help them understand like what can they use from AWS, maybe what they have to what maybe they have to run in 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 their own co-location in those states. Uh, we do a lot of conversations about outposts. We have a lot of customers that use outposts, which are uh, basically AWS infrastructure that you can move into your own location. Uh, and then we are, believe it or not, working with regulators, uh, which is sort of new for me as well, uh, to help to help them decide. Hey. Uh, believe there, there's just crazy stuff. It's, it's honestly like if you can imagine it, it very much feels like casino, right? There's just like these old guys, like big mustaches that run the the gaming board of these individual locations, and you know they, they're like, well, I gotta clearly have to go touch it and see these computers, right, to be able to validate that they're doing the things that they we want to do, and they don't, you know, it's, and I get it, and if you've been a, a casino operator for years you know you're probably not super deep in in cloud right uh and so we're helping them make determinations uh and so we we are helping them do things like hey could we get aws if we do have a local zone in a state can we work with regulators to make sure that local zone is a place where those transactions can happen and so it's yeah it's really a unique and growing uh and as these states open up it's uh it's it's a pretty it's you do have to navigate all these parts. And I do think it's really great that, you know, we're, we're really trying to provide that guidance to um, a lot of these companies that want to dive into this, right. Regardless of your, you know, kind of views on, on sports and sports betting, uh, you know, I think that, you know, there's clearly an appetite for this and people want to be able to do it. And I think doing it responsibly is the other way. And we have a huge section and this is another way where AI is helping is like, how do you identify people? Maybe that, are going too far or how do you identify people that are gaming the system and so that's that's another interesting spot that we're trying to add this guidance on so it's a it's definitely like a really cool space i am not the biggest sports fan i luckily have an amazing solutions architecture leader his name is bill kieran who runs this uh he he's a love sports i you know i i you know i don't think i've been to a major sporting event in like 10 years so um, and it's it definitely is different uh it's definitely different from the video game aspect as well oh yeah and yeah. brooke's been to more sporting events than me i yeah. grew up i was i was around surfers and skaters i grew up a, a skater so it was all bones brigade and tony hawk and yeah like mcgill lance Ma you know so i was like i that eventually became like alternative sports although again you know like growing up geek i mean right. i would i would go play D and I would play video games and then i would i would go i was on a half pipe we all built in the woods for like eight hours every day after high school and then suddenly that's cool you know it's like wow it just took yeah. time <laughs> i had same thing but i mean who knows right i mean if 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 i could bet if i could bet on if you know sean white's gonna land you know this crazy new trick in the olympics or yeah. maybe if you could bet on hey you know is christian hasoy gonna pull off like this one trick oh. you know back in the day right i had a soy um, grip tape on my book oh, it was dude, actually the japanese yeah, oh, dude, I, I I still have a Tommy Guerrero that's in my garage that I ride wow. down the street from time to time. So uh, I'm right it. there with you. But there's, you know, that is, you know, that is the interesting spot. Like, it's not just, you know, people want to, you know, you know, people want to gamify this. And so how can you gamify other things and then, yeah. you know, also do it in this very regulated way. So it's, uh, it's very unique uh, and it's, yeah. it's definitely different and, you know, it's definitely pushing the bounds of, um, 
you know, where infrastructure goes and, and helping regulators make the decisions on, hey, you know, these workloads should be in cloud uh, and, and, and talking yeah, to people. I'll make sure that definitely, that wasn't, uh, yeah, wasn't definitely the first thing the, mind. Send me the yeah. URL and make sure I'll I add it. I, what about oh, the yeah. hardware side? Have you seen like kind of a push to Graviton? We've talked, you know, we've had some episodes around Graviton and the cost reduction in workloads and things. Have you seen anything like that within the industry too? Definitely have. So we have a lot and I could probably provide a lot of details, but one of the biggest ones is a couple of years ago, we really worked with Epic Games to help them make the move to Graviton for Fortnite, you know, for all the reasons oh, that you mentioned, nice. like cost for performance, um, you know, just just being able to get more out of the out of the hardware that you're using. You know, we, we have a number of other conversations with customers uh, on that front as well. Uh, I think that we're you know, we're also excited about things like Inferentia, right? Which is another huge one that we hear about. Uh, it's it's really funny to see, you know, we're often we often still have games or or games customers that are maybe doing pixel streaming, which is a way to just stream the game directly to your browser. If you've ever done something like Luna or uh, Stadia when it existed, or a number of the other things that are out there, um, so so we have to we. You know, Gen AI has definitely made GPUs a little bit, you know, there's there's only, it is the cloud, but there's a limited amount of, of hardware in the cloud. And so, you know, I think having other ways for you to do training and new hardware where you can do training and, and that'll hopefully also free up some of the, the GPUs that are currently being used for that today. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 an interesting space, and you know I'm very bullish on Graviton. We've done a lot of uh, actually this year. Uh, one of the essays on the team, and he very graciously put my name on it. He wrote. 95% of this blog post and I wrote the intro paragraph um, but it was really all about you know how how do you benchmark how can you really see that graviton is a is a is 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 performing as well if not better than maybe that x86 architecture that you're used to running on uh, yeah. and um, yeah and it was great and so we were kind of able to show that uh, especially using unreal and uh, it's out there if you want to take a look so yeah send me the link I'll uh, make yeah. sure I, I will. I'll drop that and just to level set really quickly in case people are new to the cloud and don't know what we're talking about. So yeah. Graviton <laughs> is a family of processes that give you uh, the best price performance for cloud workloads running on Amazon EC2. Um, and there's also, we talked about Inferentia. So it is a deep learning inference accelerator that gives you high performance at lowest cost. There's also another thing called, so Inferentia is for inference. Trainium is for training. Uh, for once a name makes sense. Uh, but training is Trainium is also an accelerator and it's for high performance machine learning training um, purpose built for AWS. So not only are they more performant, um, there's lots of price reductions as well. It's also one of the things that makes cloud sustainable cloud sustainability much more attainable for people. Um, because anytime you're saving cost on these things, there's lots of opportunities to make things more sustainable to run as well just as a brief interlude of people <laughs> thought we were speaking yeah and i think there's stuff. some interesting things you know that yeah. could happen here as well right like you know could some of these new unique things because of the way that they're doing ai they potentially could also be used for you know what are the unique ways that gamers could use them to enhance video games and i think like that's that's an area that we haven't really even began to scratch the surface on that i'm excited to see so yeah, there's always lots of things you could do and figuring out what you should do in that case, I think is a fundamental role of a solution architect. Um, what are you really excited about coming up either later in 2023 or even heading into 2024, Matt? 
just generally cloud-wise, or are we talking just uh, overall? Anything. However you'd like to interpret that. Excitement however, is excitement however I like to, However I'd like to interpret that. I know we're, 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 we're running over time, too, but you know, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, This partnership that we have with Riot on the eSports front, um, I'm really excited. I think eSports is definitely one of those spots that, you know, as more and more, you know, we talked about watching sports, um, I think, and, you know, we, we talked about David's passion for video games and mine. Uh, I think that more and more people, and, and we already see it, are going to be watching esports. And I think that, yeah. and, you know, watching us grow into that space and helping companies really, you know, broadcast, you know, their esports. We didn't even talk about how we're, you know, much like Formula One, we're actually putting some live real-time statistics in oh, something wow. like League of Legends, right? So we're doing propensity to win. We're providing a lot of details. So I'm excited about in that space in a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, I guess I, you know, I am, I jokingly said that about chatbots. You know, I, I am excited to see like how AI develops and, and how the you know, variety of things, how the legal side develops. Uh, I think it's going to be interested to see how it develops. Like, uh, are we going to see people develop their own large language models? Uh, how privacy works? I think all of that's going to play out really interesting in the next few years. And yeah, and I'm trying to think if there's, you know, Verizon. Uh, sorry, I'm also the racing game guy. I know Forza, uh, what was the new Forza game came out yesterday, so I might go play with that. So I'm trying to think of other. I don't know if I have a video game that's on the horizon that I'm super excited about. But uh, I think there's always um, a video game on the there's horizon. There's always a video game on the horizon that. <laughs> that I'm excited about. So I'm just excited about the space uh, and I'm excited about yeah. our continued work uh, in this area. And the, I'm also very excited that I get to be a part of it and thankful yeah. for that. That's all. I and love you know, living in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I, you know, and one of the things is when you, when you, as a gamer too, it's like, how does it feel? I had one of the things I got to do in my career uh, before Amazon, when I was at Microsoft, I worked on the Xbox team that helped launch Connect. And <sighs> you, as a Skyrim player, until you had the ability to, and on PlayStation now, like you can actually talk. There's built-in mics and the joysticks and everything. And so, so just to say, sort inventory by weight. That was huge because Dragon Bones weighed so much. Anyone who's played Skyrim, like you get a couple of those. And just being able to say, doing things like that as a human being. And that was my first like uh, foray into NLU and natural language and all, which eventually led me to you know, the whole Alexa thing that I did for years too. And so I think... Uh, there's gonna, it's an interesting space, even people who aren't gamers, is to watch the space of how generative AI is going to get used and how all of these new ways of interacting as human beings uh, and watching other human beings game, you know, all of that, I think is, we're going to see some amazing things uh, crop up. And we didn't even touch on, and it just came to me, the user-generated content piece and how that comes together, right? Like oh, yeah. Unreal Editor for Fortnite, the Roblox of the world, right? Um, yeah. You know, that to me is is really, there's a lot of there's a lot of future, right? How do you enable the your game players to create their own unique experiences, which is something that's super huge. It's been an absolute joy having you on the podcast, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank you both. It's been a real pleasure. This has just been an awesome conversation. I've enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I hope you both have an amazing rest of your days. Thank you so much. Super appreciate your time. You're welcome back anytime. And thank you for letting me see some pugs hang out. Anytime. <laughs> Sweet. Bye, guys. Bye.